This is a show for grown-ups. And they say bad words. And they say bad words. Say final warning. Final warning. Hello and welcome to the first inaugural episode of Jumping the Street Sharks with Richard Sullivan and my co-host, Nate, the Hammerhead Magnuski. So if you follow us on the Pod of Wonders podcast, this is our Patreon exclusive, at least for a year, podcast. So now that we have your sweet, sweet Patreon money, we can introduce you to the first episode of Jumping the Street Shark. In this episode, we'll be covering the very first episode entitled Shark Bay. This aired September 7th on a Wednesday in 1994. Nathan, where were you September 7th, 1994? Let's see. School had just started. I was nine, so I was in fourth grade. That was a year that we had to do a report on a fish tank. We had to do like every day daily observations. But she said that we had to do 30 observations for the month. So what I did was wait for the last week to do all 30 because she didn't say I couldn't do that. But one of the sea cucumbers died in the fish tank and took all the other fish out with it. So all my entries were the fish tank is a barren, dead wasteland. And I got a failing grade for that class, my first one ever. And that's how I learned how to love the ocean. The sharks live in the ocean. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Full circle to street sharks. <laughs> were you aware of the street sharks when they aired? Were you really excited for it? I was a huge Ninja Turtles fan. And so when the Street Sharks came up, I was not enthused. <laughs> this, this, was, this was the Kmart version of, of the Ninja Turtles. I watched it. I watched all of these as a kid because it was, it was on. And I was raised by a TV. To say that this is like a formative show for me, it wasn't. I enjoyed it. But yeah. <laughs> How about you? What are your memories of the Street Sharks back in the day? I want to say Street Sharks kind of passed me by. Like you, I was into Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, WWF, and like Generation 2 Transformers. So I'm excited for this show to kind of see what I was missing. I'm hoping that we're pleasantly surprised. And I think, I mean, we watched the first episode by now. So we have a, we had a taste of what we were missing. A sous-son. <laughs> All right. So during that week, the number one song in the country was, I'll make love to you. By boys to men. Apple Computer announces that it's going to license the Mac operating system. The last U.S., British, and French troops withdraw from West Berlin. The U.S. Air Boeing 747 crashes at Pittsburgh Airport and kills nope. 100... Pitts. Just Pitts Airport. Is that a thing? Is yep. that Pittsburgh? Nope. Well, anyway, 132 <laughs> people are dead. Speaking of dead people, Barry Manilow's mom dies. Her name is I didn't Edna. even know she was sick. Oh, and Tom Tupa scores the first two-point conversion in NFL history. I feel like we probably could have ordered those in a more sensitive way. But there you have it. Was, was there a rule change? How did it take so long to score a two-point conversion? I think there was, must have been a rule change at that point. Before we get into the recap of the show, let's talk about a drinking game for if you want to watch this at home. So let's see. Every time, and these will be ongoing rules for the rest of the series. Whenever a character says Jossum, take a drink. 
every time there's an ocean pun. No, we can't legally say that. They'd be fucking dead. <laughs> They'd be dead within five minutes. He died like he lived, drinking and watching street sharks. Whenever there's a generic guitar riff, take a drink. Whenever they say gene slamming or someone gets gene slammed, take a drink. Can we also expand that to any pseudoscience? Yes. Again, I think people cause a lot of deaths by doing that, but that's a chance I'm willing to take. Here at Jumping the Street Sharks, we are not liable for any deaths or blindness we may cause. For this episode specifically, whenever they talk about an abandoned nuclear plant, take a drink. Uh, Whenever the news helicopter, the guy in the sky, shows up on screen, take a drink. I got one. Yeah. Anytime Ben's makes a, a potential drug reference. So in this particular episode, he mentioned something. Like, oh, boys, I thought I was having a bad hallucination trip. Yeah, that was fucked. <laughs> like, this yeah. is a kid's show. Oh, all right. This is I great. think that's enough to get the party started. Yeah. Are you ready for the episode recap? Give it to me. Okay. So episode one, shark bait. They bite, they fight street sharks. Now, as a man of worth and class, I listen and watch all my shows with captions on the bottom. And so when this, the music started playing for this, my captions hit the nail on the head. It said, generic rock music. Take a drink. <laughs> Pretty much. We open. It's night. A high angle of a government property sign on a chain link fence. An older man, Dr. Bolton, we learn later on, scales the fence and breaks into the lab wearing the most secretive of outfits, khakis and a nice sports coat. <laughs> He's trying to stop his colleague, Dr. Paradigm, from gene slamming a lobster and Genghis Kong. Also, a swordfish and Thomas Blood, Captain Thomas Blood, who's a real real person. He was an Irish pirate. I looked that up because I wasn't sure. Right. There's a few things that key a careful listener and viewer into knowing that this is an evil scientist. Eye patch. Eye patch, number one. Yes, good. Number two. Accent? Accent, yes. German accent. Of course, he has to be evil. And number three? Bald. Yes, excellent. Just like Lex Luthor, he's a bald person at a kid's show, and therefore he is evil. So what happens to Dr. Robert Bolton? Well, they keep showing his watch. It's like Chekhov's watch. They keep showing that over and over and over again. So it might come up later on. We'll have to find out. He tries to stop Dr. Paradigm with the most feeble possible struggle. And it was like, push. And then that was the whole fight scene. It was horrible. But what do you want? They're scientists. They're not fighting guys. And then he got gene slammed for his troubles. He did get gene slammed. Now, in this scene, they show him taking DNA. And there's also a thing of brains. In the background. Did the DNA come from those brains? Oh, you can get DNA from just about anything, mate. But they haven't found Genghis Khan's grave, and I don't know about Thomas Blood. Or what happened to him? Well, Genghis Khan was one of the most prolific coxmen in history. So he has a long line of descendants. So he could have been DNA from a descendant of Genghis Khan. You know what? Fair point. <laughs> it's one point for Richard in science. He also gene slams, like we said, the lobster and the swordfish. Who, after Dr. Bolton gets gene slammed and runs, he coolly advances through a wall, disappears into the night. Leaving. Leaving his watch behind. And then the lobster and the swordfish become lobster and swordfish humanoids. Flash and slobster. Mm, beautiful. Who are fully grown and speak English immediately. <laughs> no accents. Which, it kind of irks me. I know it's a kid's show, but like, <laughs> Mongol DNA and Irish DNA. And I guess this is a language that, what, he... He bred them to speak English without an accent. 
Well, maybe the lobster had hung out in like fancy restaurants for years and never got picked in the tank. So maybe uh-huh. he picked up English from like the white staff. I mean, it, it was a massive lobster, so very old. Mm. And the swordfish, of course, when it became a humanoid monster, its long sword nose became a drill, like in nature. It's an adaptation. Fade to black there. And then guess what happens, Richard? Next scene, we get your guy in the sky, the helicopter guy, reporting on traffic in Fission City. Now, Fission, let's, let's talk about this because this was part of my rule for the drinking game. That's part fish pun, part science. Because you see, it's fishing like they're fishing for fish. Fish? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fission like, what is that, splitting the atom? Is that fission? Infusion is when they put them together? Could be, could be. We're podcasters, we're not scientists. In case you haven't figured that shit out, we are dumb as fuck. <laughs> and, and they set up the college at, at this point. They do. But can I first talk about the helicopter? And like, this is a fission city. It's supposed to be about nuclear power, right? The fucking place is smoggy as a mother. Why is this nuclear power city so smoggy, Richard? I just assume they were basing it off of Los Angeles. I think it was just about render distance. I think they didn't want to draw details on shit. And so they made everything in the distance smoggy and indistinct. Makes sense. But yes, as you were saying, the next cut is um, Dr. Paradigm and Dr. Bolton's lab at the State University. Where we're first introduced to Lena Mack, who is the April O'Neil of the series? I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. And then that would be the other character that's there, Ben's, is the Casey Jones of the series. No, Casey Jones is far too competent to compare him to this Ben's guy. Ben's is a very good lab tech, and he's got a sweet car that's bigger on the inside than the outside, but we'll get to that later on. So he drives a Ninja Turtles van TARDIS. He drives a Ninja TARDIS, absolutely, 100%. They're both concerned that Dr. Bolton missed his class, which he never does. Dr. Paradigm shows up and he's all like, oh, that's so weird. Tell you what, why don't you call his sons and uh, tell him that Dr. Bolton wants to meet them at the old power plant off of I-118. <laughs> and that's when we're introduced to our cast. We have, let's see. Oh, it opens up with Ripster. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm getting way ahead. No, Johnny. John nope. Bolton. Yep. Enjoying his eggs via... It's a Rube Goldberg machine run yeah, by who, a mouse. Who am I thinking of? Um, is it P.B. Herman? Yeah, he had the Pee-wee breakfast machine. And it's also, like I think, the origin of Ratatouille, because that rat was making, it was like the center of it all. He says, oh, these are these eggs are even better than your tacos. or Chocolate chip cookies. Chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> yeah. So he's the nerd. He's the Donatello character of this. But really, it's hard to put the others in boxes by, for the most part. Well, I think I can. Oh, well, let's go. So the next up. So let's see. Johnny is calls. Bo- is Bobby. Bobby. Yeah. Who is always Bob- on rollerblades. Yeah. He's the ladies man. Mm-hmm. Well, so who do you think Bobby yeah. compares to? I would say Raph is the most ladies man person. No, Because why? Because women like a bad boy. Well, then I think he and April were like pretty close, weren't they? Uh, I would say if April was going to have a relationship with any of them, I think it would be Leo. Oh, because power is sexy, Richard. None of you find power sexy. <laughs> no, I, I think Michelangelo would be the, the ladies' man. Hard disagree, because Michelangelo is clearly the final brother, but we'll get to him afterwards. He's definitely Clint, the lazy one. 
and like the yeah. sonar sounding dude. That's Michelangelo all the way. You can't stuff the street sharks into a box. No, they they can't be pigeonholed. They can't be turtle holes. But I'm gonna try because next we have Coop, the football player, or the jock. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. would be the raffle, I think, of the series. I agree. I agree with that one. Yep. And lastly, like I was saying, is Clint, the stoner bro, lazy dude, who's also, we find out in other episodes, a boxer or boxing fanatic. But we'll get to that. I'm sorry to jump ahead. So they all share the information that they have to get to this abandoned power plant off of the highway. And they all choose the most, of course, extreme radical ways to get there. Well, we got motorcycles. Yep, Johnny's on the motorcycle. We got Bobby on his roller skates. Yep, of course. Which might come in later. We'll see. Uh, we have a skateboard. Yeah, Koopa's on the skateboard. And, okay. So and they're all racing to the <laughs> yeah. They're all racing to the jetpack. So I thought the, the modes of transportation were fucked up for this one because I'm like, okay, put the nerd on the skateboard, put the bad boy on the motorcycle. There's a big jock on the motorcycle. Or put the nerd in the fucking jetpack. And put the yeah. radical lazy dude on the skateboard. That would make more sense. So anyway, they all arrive at this abandoned nuclear power plant and they meet Dr. Paradigm there. And what do they notice Dr. Paradigm has on his wrist? The watch that was given to them by Mrs. Bolton, their mother. Which I assume is the late Mrs. Bolton, right? It's a cartoon. Their mother has to be dead. At least yeah. one parent has to be dead in a cartoon. And of course they have to fridge the mom. That's how these worked back then. So they're like, oh, no way he would give you that, pre- that thing from my dad. Ugh. And then Dr. Bolton kind of gets his horrible monster abominations to attack them, put them in a helicopter, and they whisk them away to their secret lab. Why didn't he just have them meet them at the secret lab? Because it's a secret lab. Yeah, but wasn't his plan to gene slam them and use them as slaves? Here's a bigger question, right? I don't know about the slaves part, but I do know about the fact that he believed that, that gene slamming fishmen together was the peak and the next step of human evolution. He says it in his first evil monologue, right? Mm-hmm. Before he's interrupted. He's like, fools, they, don't, they want to stop my evil machinations. Ha 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 ha. If you believe that this is a way to make people more powerful, why would you take the sons of your enemy and make them more powerful? Like if you wanted to hench people, why wouldn't you like just abduct a homeless dude? Or like go to an orphanage. But he'd have leverage on him if if he had their father potentially held captive. I think once you get superpowers, they just don't give a shit, you know? Because as soon as they get powers, they fuck him up. Well, I don't think it would matter much because he seems to think that his experiment was a failure. Right, because they all get zooped with the juice. These big green ooze-looking needles come over, stab them all. Then they seize and die. <laughs> They seize and die on his fucking table. And he's like, ah, oh, beans. Put him in the chipper. <laughs> well, no, not even the chipper. He says dispose of them and they just throw them in a random storm drain. Yeah. You know, like that, like the LA River, like in that scene of uh, in Terminator, Terminator 2. 2. Yeah, when the, the truck is going down with the motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. They throw him one of those things. A jogger lady sees them, runs away, gets the cops. And then a, <laughs> the storm happens. There hasn't been any rain at all in this whole episode, but. It's flooded suddenly and they get swept away. The next morning, they wake up. And Richard, you've just been kidnapped by someone you know kidnapped your father, who then did illegal medical experiments on you. You wake up in a storm drain covered in sewage water and what have you. 
And your first thought, of course, is I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to get the goddamn cops. <laughs> no, they go straight for a hot dog cart. And again, I, I got to talk about this because it irked the fuck out of me. It, it says hot dog on the side of the cart. Mm-hmm. What they're eating is clearly hamburgers. They're in a round bun. There's lettuce on them. Unless you're a psychopath, you don't put lettuce on a hot dog. Like, that's a crime. That's like, like a big boy prison crime. Well, you'd be happy to know that they stopped that hot dog cart from operating because they turn into sharks and proceed to eat the hot dog cart itself, which they seem to think tastes like a giant hot dog. All right. So they don't have names yet. So we don't want to introduce them as their character names. But I have another stupid, stupid gripe with the scene. <laughs> Besides that, it's a hamburger hot dog cart. Okay. <laughs> Coop's character, right? The jock's character becomes a whale shark man. Okay? Mm-hmm. Whale shark man. He takes a big bite out of the cart. Whale sharks are a filter animal. They don't have functional teeth. No, they have plankton, right? They eat pl- plankton and small things. They, they just kind of drift through shit and suck it up into their stupid big mouths and then push out the water from their gills. They're filter animals. And all their teeth, they have teeth, but the they're teeth. vestigial teeth. They don't have baleen, they have teeth, but they're vestigial teeth. They have no bite force. And I know... This is an episode about gene sliming some cool teens and making them into street sharks. But God damn it, like, there's so many cool sharks out there. Why are you going to use the filter animal? Well, let's talk about the other cool <laughs> sharks. We've got Clint becomes a hammerhead shark. Mm-hmm. We've got Bobby becoming a tiger shark. Yep. You have, like I said, Coop becoming a whale shark with vestigial goddamn teeth. <laughs> And then Ripster is what? Or is, he's not a great white shark. Whoa, whoa, whoa. we said we're not referring. Oh fuck! To I'm so there. Just erase that from your memories, names. children. John Bolton becomes what? It's not a, a great it's white. Not, is it a great white? Yeah. Really? Because he's Name very much shark that isn't one of those four. Goblin shark, Greenland shark, basking shark. Um, the other ones. So they eat this poor bastard's stupid card. <laughs> but they immediately redeem themselves because the first action as street sharks proper that they do is a woman is trapped in her car. And what's this swimming through the concrete of an overpass. We can see the street sharks. Which one of them do you think it was that was in the water? and was like, they hit the beach. They said, just keep going. Don't worry about it. I'm going to guess that was, is Clint the stoner? Yeah. Clint is the stoner. Yeah. I'm going to guess that was Clint. Like he just didn't pay attention. He was like, oh, shit, I'm in the road, man. No, I think he was just hungry. And then... Oh, he got the munchies and started munching on the yeah. sand and dirt and concrete. The asphalt sharks. The Tiburon just has full toes. As they're known in Spanish. <laughs> El Jasso. <laughs> so, they show up on the scene. They pop out. They go, oh, man. We luckily popped out of the road right in front of this fucking accident while on camera. What happens next there, buddy? They save the lady in the nick of time. She freaks the fuck out. She's like, oh my God, yeah. there's goddamn sharks. Ah, ah. Like that. And then probably the best line in this episode, it's all captured by Guy in the Sky when he says, folks, I know it might sound like I forgot my sunscreen today. <laughs> Classic. Classic Guy in the Sky. <laughs> and I think this is all witnessed by Benz, who the other line, he says something like, Oh, I, I thought I, uh, how did he say? He goes, I was having a bad hallucination. It was like something out of a B movie. Yeah, that's when um, 
Lana, Lena, Lena, Lena Mac, not yeah. Christy Mac, but Lena Mac or Alex Mac in her secret world of so or return of Lena calls Ben's on his car phone because this guy's got some you know, fucking money. Can, I just want to take a break there. That scene bothered me as somebody that is now living in a hands-free state. I mean, Ben's was actively driving while hallucinating around hallucinogens. <laughs> that also bothered I me. I don't think his seatbelt was on. Mm. And he was talking on a cell- cellular phone. And he had headphones in. All of which is very illegal. Kids. Don't be like Ben's. Drive now. Text later. Also, click it or ticket. Also, don't do mushrooms. <laughs> don't hang out with sharks. No good will come of it. So Lena calls Ben's and says, oh, drive over there. And Ben's like, okay, fine. And Ben's car is fairly small. It's like a station wagon. But the street sharks are big. This is an important thing. They get thrown in the back. And like the TARDIS, it's much bigger on the inside than the outside. Because in the back is like four captain's chairs for each one of the boys. Did you not get a turtle's van vibe from that vehicle? Like that was clearly, if there's not a Ben's van or totally tubular station wagon toy i'd be surprised it looks like the turtles van and the ecto one had a baby yeah so he gets in there and they fuck on down the road <laughs> and then of course there's a high-speed police chase because the police in fish and city they don't fuck around they're coming for you and they gonna get you do you remember how they evade the police i do <laughs> this is uh, so it's so stupid <laughs> i actually got a back to the future vibe so <laughs> yeah. they yeah. hide they hide uh inside of a billboard for the amusement park so while driving full speed in hot pursuit of the police the sharks put their heads out the window by an exact size hole in the billboard which then bends bends yeah bends pulls into in front of the police and the police just drive right past and they're safe that's the end of the police chase but it's not the end of their pursuit no (laughs) next you see Slobster, Dr. Paradigm, and Slash in an awesome attack helicopter that we saw earlier. And I think it's Slobster that says, I didn't know they allowed sharks at the amusement park. Whoa, he sees, whoa, whoa. Yeah, and Paradigm's like, come again. <laughs> so anyway, they started blasting pink laser beams, just like Stormtrooper style, blasting everywhere but the sharks. <laughs> the sharks peel out of there, drive away. They drive through like a six-foot-tall wooden fence, <laughs> and suddenly it goes from like daytime to nighttime. <laughs> They pull they pull over it in this amusement park to get out of the car. Oh, we didn't say the, the thing that happened at what was it 15 minutes and 53 seconds. Johnny says Jawsome for the first time. Take a drink. They pull in, they go, wow, that was crazy. They get out of the car. This little kid's like, holy shit. <laughs> Look at these little assholes. Yeah, see the, the six-year-old boy is like, holy fucking shit. I just saw four cunting sharks. <laughs> <laughs> to which Ben's assures him, no, little boy, watch your mouth. And that this we're promoting a new uh, amusement ride called Street, Street Sharks. Sharks. Just uh, then, what happens? The helicopter shows back up. Surprise, oh no. motherfuckers. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then immediately the helicopter gives up its air superiority and lands to better fight them. <laughs> like the Street Sharks had no recourse against a helicopter. <laughs> It, it, I'm sorry. I know this is a kid's show. I'm slinging stupid hairs, but Slash digs under the asphalt because apparently every aquatic humanoid can just travel through asphalt like it's nothing. I, he digs a big circle around them. The ground collapses. And then Slopster starts throwing totem poles. 
you know, like you go to an amusement park, it's just lousy with totem poles. But that's They're nothing bad. compared to throwing whole roller coasters at each other. Well, fuck this property, and I hope everyone got off this, this Ferris wheel first. No, what? Oh, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Yes, it was Ferris wheel. <laughs> and Dr. Paradigm subscribes to the Prometheus running away from things school. But he does dive away at the last second. He does go to the side. So, yeah, then like you said, then they start having a roller coaster push battle <laughs> where Slopster like knocks over the roller coaster onto the street sharks and they slap down their Uno reverse card and push it back over on the bad guys who all pass their dexterity saves and run off into the night. Now, was this before or after Paradigm was trying to convince them that they need to come with him because he's the only thing that can save them? Oh, yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, that mutated him in the first place. If you want to know what happened to your father, like, I have a good idea what happened to my father. You stole his watch. Yeah, you gene slammed him into something cool. And of course, that's how the episode ends, right? Wasn't there military? Yes. That shows up. Yeah, a bunch of military helicopters and tanks and shit roll in, surround the street sharks. End of episode. I got to see what happens next. But that kind of cliffhanger, I mean, what the hell? What were your feelings on watching this? It's pretty much what, you know, the 35-year-old Richard expected it to be. Um, So in that respect, I wasn't disappointed. I'll tell you this. I actually watched episode one, conveniently enough, with my six-year-old. How did he like it? All he told me was he was confused on why the sharks were eating a hot dog cart. And he remarked about the guy with the curly Q nose. Oh, yeah, Slash, yeah. Other than that, I don't think he enjoyed it too much. Well, with the kids these days, with the Daniel Tigers and the YouTubes, they're not ready for Street Sharks. But you know what? He is a Ninja Turtles fan. Because he's raised right. You've done a fine job. Considering his father is now running the world's most successful, and by that I mean only Street Sharks podcast. He's going to love it eventually. I really, I I didn't think I was going to enjoy this episode. I enjoyed it because it was so completely batshit insane. Completely. It was engaging. A lot of things were happening really fast. The plotting was a little strange, but I'm glad they explained things like how they got their group name. That was nice. They introduced all the dramatis personae pretty early on. The character designs were cool. I like how the street sharks look. I'm glad their their shark dongs and tails didn't make their pants explode. Slopster slash, they were cool designs too. I remember playing with those toys. I think Slopster had like goop that came out of his mouth, if I remember correctly. Could be wrong though. So, so are they the Bebop and Rocksteady of the series? Yes, absolutely they are. Like completely. They don't really have a Master Splinter. I'm wondering, I don't remember if their father shows back up and is like their Master Splinter or not. You know, here's the thing. I'm going into this whole podcast knowing nothing. Right. So I don't want to claim here that I'm a Street Sharks expert. I wouldn't do that to you guys. <laughs> I'm in this journey with you. So you've never seen Street Sharks before. Don't feel intimidated. Don't feel (laughs) like there are years of lore you have to catch up on. You can start right from the beginning with us, and we will take this crazy, sexy ride with you. And it's going to be quite a ride. So do you want to give your prediction to what happens next episode? Okay. This could be an interesting segment. (laughs) I am going to say they got to meet up with the father. I think we see Ben's and Lena as more of uh, complete characters. I think we get a little more backstory on them. I think the street sharks create or find a hideout and they, they probably do something 
radical. <laughs> or tubular. Yeah, gnarly. Bossa Nova. <laughs> yeah, this was like the most 90s thing I've ever seen. The one thing we didn't talk about that I really wanted to, when Bobby was doing his whole like, gotta get to the power plant off of Highway 118, <laughs> he, was, he went off of a highway onto the top of a, a skyscraper. He snatches a woman's donut. He says, no time to talk or some shit like that. <laughs> and she just completely flat affect is like, the fuck? Like it happens every day. Like, oh, this again. You know what it was? It reminded me of a, a animated, well, it reminded me of a Capri Sun commercial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where all the kids have attitude. It had BCE. It had the Capri energy. <laughs> but he jumps off his building and I'm like, this guy is going to fucking die. <laughs> First episode, last episode for this guy. Of course, it wasn't because he had a parachute the whole time. And then he parasails the power plant. I, I like to think that there's a bunch of abandoned power plants. That's why they had to specify which one. Well, it is Fish and City. Yeah, it's like, oh, do you want to go to that one? Like, oh, I don't like that one. Let's go to the one uptown. Let's feed ourselves uh, today. Fish and City. I noticed that every time they showed the sign, it was missing more and more letters. Yeah. Did I? Did they spell something different when it comes back to it? Are they doing a Faulty Towers yeah, style it gag with of, that sign? It got rid of the I the first time. And they got rid of one of the S's. So Fish On is like Fish On. Like you say that when you catch a fish, fish on. It's a stretch. Maybe that's what they were going for. I don't really know. But there was a lot of nautical horseshit in this. I loved it. It was like bends, of course, is like when you get cramps from coming up from depth too fast. You get the bends. Hmm. So take a drink for that under Richard's rules. Um, I, I am very, very excited to watch episode two. I feel like I got to come down from episode one first to give myself like a chill out period before I dive into this and take more copious notes. And we have 39 more to go. I hope this was worth 50 cents to you because it was, it was awesome for us. I, I, I love talking about this stupid shit. I hope you enjoyed listening to it too. Well, before we go, uh, Nathan, would you like to provide our listeners with a shark fact? Well, only if you first provide our listeners with a street fact. Of course. According to the National League of Cities, the most common U.S. street name is Second. That's fucked. Here's, here's where it gets interesting. <laughs> the second most common street name is Third. And the third most common street name, First. Wow. There you go. But Richard, did you know that Greenland sharks live for 250 years? But scientists think they might live up to 500. That's that's it, man. That's all I got for <laughs> <laughs> That's my shark fact. They kill all the winners. But you know who is a winner? Our Patreon members. You guys really make this all worthwhile. You know, it's we do this show because we love to do it, but it's not free to do. We, we have to pay for hosting. We have to pay for the games we run. I bought this on DVD. That was 14 bucks. I'm not going to get back. <laughs> well, well, you might, but it's up to you, <laughs> Patreon listeners. I went on eBay to look up how much these fuckers cost now. <laughs> They're like a hundred bucks a piece. In box so, or in the yeah, I'm not a I'm not some rube that's kind of by played with street sharks, Richard. <laughs> Only the finest street sharks caveat for me. I think that should be one of our Patreon goals. <laughs> we'll buy a complete set of the street sharks toys. <laughs> I mean, I want to say we're gonna pay web hosting, we're gonna buy advertising in other people's shows, we're gonna really try to grow the brand, support any developers like we always do. Our history is that we promote and support indie RPG developers. 
maybe Nate doesn't want to do that all the time. Maybe Nate wants to have a little something on the side for himself to enjoy. Maybe I want to have my own plastic copy of Moby Lick. I'm just saying, if you give us money, it's going to go to either something really good or toys <laughs> for me to play with. That's a promise that you can take to the bank, the river bank, which leads ultimately to the ocean, which is where the street sharks live. There, I brought it home, Richard. Let's end this thing before I say anything else weird and upsetting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the premiere episode of Jumping the Street Sharks. I've been your host, Richard Sullivan. And I'm your co-host, Nate Magnuski. And until next time, be a freak in the sheets. And a shark in the streets. Jossum! Jossum! <laughs>